This is the Gratitude Journal Podcast. I would like to welcome you back into the Gratitude Journal Podcast. Matthew here on what is becoming a very sunny day. I know I always seem to start things off by talking about the weather, but you have to understand if you live in the north, you live by any glimmer of weather hope <laughs> that you can get between the months of, say, November and uh, March or April. And some people would say, well, heck, is an opening day in April? It is. In fact, this year it's earlier. Uh, our team actually opens March the 26th. I refer to our team as those who follow the Cleveland Indians, as I do. So the Indians actually open at home on March 26th. And uh, there probably couldn't be a more absurd time or an absurd place to have opening day than in Cleveland, Ohio on March 26th. So I think that they're taking, Major League Baseball that is, is taking uh, their um, chances on having northern teams have opening day in the north prior to April. But today... We've had sunshine. It's been pretty nice. I actually walked down to the bottom of the hill, which I sometimes do once a week or so, usually on Wednesdays or Thursdays, and I get a cup of coffee from the gas station down the street, and this totally blows anything that I, any respect I have from the coffee drinking community. I know, because I'm a, I'm sort of a coffee geek, but um, I, it just gets me out of the studio for a while. And a day like today, even though it's chilly, it was just good to walk down the hill, get my uh, coffee, and come back and, and look around and not see any snow on the ground. Now, that doesn't mean that we may not have snow, but we're, we're showing gratitude for just not having snow and not shoveling snow and putting ice on top of sidewalks. So that's the kind of day it's been today, at least weather-wise. As I uh, sip my coffee, excuse me just a second. Mm. I just needed to get a little, a little sip to wet the whistle. And uh, I have to say, it's not very good uh, from a coffee perspective. But it's warm, and I'm grateful for it today, because it still is kind of chilly. In this podcast episode, if you're not a fan of dogs, this may not be the episode for you. Sorry to say. And even if you are a fan of dogs, um, hopefully you will relate to an anniversary that is coming up. Today, if you're just downloading this or listening to it, I'm recording this on March the 5th, which is a Thursday. and on March the 7th, it will be the anniversary of the death of our dog, Maggie. And this will be the third anniversary. And I am a dog lover, as is my wife. We're animal lovers. We've had cats. We've had some very eclectic cats from a personality perspective. But I've never been really a cat guy. Do you know what I mean? I've always gravitated towards dogs because I think our personalities 
are somewhat similar, and it's not to say that I don't like cats. But we've always had a dog. I'm referring to my wife and I since we were married. We've always had a dog. We had a dog when we were growing up as kids, and when we got married, we uh, came across a Samoyed mix puppy that my wife found at someone's house who had a litter of these Samoyed mix puppies, and the one that eventually became Yin Yang, or we just call her Yinny, uh, eventually jumped into my wife's purse as she was bending down, petting a bunch of these little puppies. And so, you know, it was serendipity that Yinny just became a part of our world. And Yinny was with us for a long time. I mean, a long time. Almost 18 years. And I'm... And my wife, we're both radio vagabonds. We've done a lot of traveling around because of my career. And I've had a very agreeable wife who was willing to traverse parts of the eastern U.S. so that I could satisfy my broadcasting desires. And in that car with us, amongst all of the luggage and the paraphernalia was was Yinny. Yinny went everywhere with us. To Washington, D.C. twice, uh, to Pittsburgh, and towards the end of her life to St. Louis. And she was just always a staple. She was always a great little companion. And uh, everybody enjoyed her. And, and we have a dog now. His name is Izzy. And Izzy is a rescue. Izzy is the only full-blooded dog we've ever owned. He's a full-blooded West Highland Terrier. And he has all the quirky personality traits that Westies have, or at least what I'm led to believe they have. And Izzy was a rescue. And Izzy came into our life about nine years ago, and my wife actually rescued him from a family member. And that family member was mistreating him. And so during a visit to Pennsylvania, she brought him back. And we had Maggie then, and Maggie and Izzy lived together and, and uh, cohabitated together and were good buddies together. And so when Yenny passed away, it was really, it really rocked our world. And if you, if you're not a pet lover or you're not a dog lover, it's really hard to categorize what that grief feels like. You probably just think it's dumb that people would swoon over their pets and show sorrow over the passing of their pets. You probably people who aren't pet lovers would probably say to themselves, "Well, don't they put dogs down when they're, you know, they're going to uh, when they're ill or something's wrong with them? Then you can just go out and get another dog." And while that's true, it doesn't take away from the fact that you become severely attached to these to these members of your family. And so back in 2006 when we were moving to St. Louis for a job opportunity for my wife, we took, naturally, Yinny with us. But Yinny was on her last legs. I mean, Yinny was, was feeling pretty, pretty poorly. 
And I remember on that drive, we had so much stuff. I actually made two drives to St. Louis. I took a, I took a 22-foot rider truck full of stuff out to St. Louis, and I flew back to Pittsburgh, and then I rented another rider truck and took the rest of it. And then we both flew back to get another car, and then we drove it over to St. Louis. And in that drive, we took Yenny with us, and we knew something was wrong. Something, she barely moved the whole time that we drove that nine hours to St. Louis. And we just knew that it wasn't going to be long. And it wasn't. It was a mere matter of months. And it was just, it was just time to let her go. And so we were both pretty devastated by that, that we had this hole in our lives. And I was really reluctant to fill it. But Donna likes having a, a dog around. She likes the comfort of dogs. And after a couple of weeks, she said, I want to get a dog. And I was really, really resistant. And she heard about this no-kill shelter that was in one of the Illinois suburbs. We lived on the Illinois side of St. Louis. And so we rode out sort of into the country, and we arrived at the shelter. And the dogs were barking, and I just wasn't in the mood. I just wasn't in the mood for a dog. And I sat out by the front desk waiting for someone to escort us back so we could kind of look at the various cages and we walked sort of up and down these rows of cages and and suddenly I looked in this one and there was a black dog, a good sized dog, a good medium to large sized dog, cowering in the corner. And there was just something about this dog's face that I liked. This dog looked absolutely petrified. So we walked out towards the front, and, and Donna sort of had her eye on this other dog, and they, they brought it out. It was sort of like a Jack Russell-type dog. It was very friendly, and so they brought this dog out for us just to sort of meet, and, and Donna was sitting on the ground. This dog was sort of jumping on her, and I thought, you know, Donna likes this dog, I can tell. But I, I just had this black dog in the back of my mind. So I said to the person, What's going on with that black dog over there on that second row of kennels? And she said, well, that dog's name is Maggie. And uh, Maggie just came a half an hour ago. I said, you're kidding me. She goes, no, she's probably afraid, very afraid. And she said, you want to meet her? And I was just, I was intrigued, but I was very hesitant. So I said, yes. All right. So they brought her out. And she was gorgeous. She had these, I have never even seen it on a dog before. She had these kind of, she was black, but she had these kind of silver patch markings on one side of her back leg. And, and, and also kind of stained the top of her front left leg. I mean, it was just, they were beautiful, but odd markings on a dog. I've never seen them just like on one side like that. She came out and she just sat next to my leg. She just sat there. She was shaking. So I was trying to pet her and she kept getting closer to my leg, like nudging up against it. And, and she was anxiety filled and she was 
Well, she was full of fear. She didn't know what that place, this place was. All these dogs barking. But I wasn't ready to commit. And Donna really liked her too. They took the Jack Russell type dog back and Donna was kind of cozying up to this dog. And Donna said, I like this dog. And the person there said, well, Maggie's previous owner was actually a salesperson who traveled a lot and was going through a divorce and didn't have time for a dog and basically drove Maggie in his car, put it in park, let the car running, walked into the shelter and explained a situation and said, I would like to drop this dog off and give this dog a home. I don't want to take this dog back home with me. And so that's what happened. So really, 45 minutes later, we arrived. But I couldn't make my decision. So we went home. And Donna kept saying, you know what? I want to give that dog a home. And I said, I'm just not ready. I'm just not ready. And to make a long story short, of course, as is mostly the case, Donna won. So later that evening, we drove back out to the no-kill shelter, and we agreed to take Maggie home. And for two weeks, this dog would have nothing to do with me. I mean, absolutely nothing. When you walked into the side of our house, you were greeted really by the end of a wall. And on one side of that wall was the kitchen and the other side was the dining room. And so when I would come in and Maggie would be in the house just sitting on her back legs, just watching everything, taking everything into account, she would see me and then she would move to the other side of the wall so she didn't see me. And then I would move to the other side of the wall to see her and she would look at me and we'd play this game back and forth. I would call her, she would never move. And so I was explaining this to Pat and Kathy, our next door neighbors. And I said to Pat, I just, you know, who are, they're also dog lovers. I said, I just, yeah, you know, this Maggie, she just won't have anything to do with me. And Pat said, come here a minute. He went, we walked over to our house and he went in and he said, you got to get down on her level. So he walked over to her and he got on the floor and laid on his side. And Maggie came running over and they were playing around together. He said, now you got to do this. You got to get down on her level so she doesn't, so she knows that, you know, you're not intimidating. And so finally I did that. And, and then finally she decided to warm up. And, and that's what started this, this wonderful 11-year relationship with this dog who followed me everywhere. Donna had gone away to visit her mom who was sick. And one night I went to bed and I woke up in the middle of the night and Maggie had jumped on the bed with me. And it was a first. We never let animals in our beds. It's just never something that we do. But it just, I felt like I couldn't tell her to get out of bed, you know? I just felt like we had, like, established this bond, this little bit of an introductory bond. And so that's when I really first began to establish a friendship with her. 
My studio was down in the basement, as is this studio, where I worked during the day. And Maggie would follow me down to the studio, and she would lay in the doorway of the studio. And she would just lay there until I decided to go upstairs to get something, and then she would follow me back upstairs. And then if I went upstairs to grab a bowl of cereal and sat down, well, she would lay down by the table. And I would say to Donna, boy, this dog has really warmed up to me. And Donna said, yeah, I can't get her to, uh, I, can't, uh, I can't spend any time with her because she's always with you. And Maggie was very boundary trained, too. We didn't even have to train her. She, it's almost like she instinctively knew where she could go and where she couldn't go. We never had her on a chain, even when we moved back here to Ohio. We never put her inside a fence. She just instinctively knew where she should be. And if she even thought about hovering over to the next yard, and we would say no, and she just would stop and she would just lay down and she just knew. And I think what made me gravitate towards her is that in a, in a strange way, she almost felt a lot like me. I'm a little neurotic. I'm a little anxiety-filled. It's hard for me to sit still sometimes. I'm somewhat conscientious of my surroundings. And I sense that from her, too. She did not like to be alone. And even though I do like to be alone, that anxiety kind of transferred itself over when we would leave. Izzy could sleep for 20 straight hours. There could be a volcano going on the same time that an earthquake is going on at the same time a tornado is going on. And if Izzy feels like staying in bed and sleeping, that's what he's going to do. He has a mind of his own. He is very independent. He wants what he wants. Maggie's not like that at all. She very much needs us around her. We would come in through the garage here at our house in Ohio, and the, that door from the garage leads into the basement. And as soon as the door would open, you would hear a scurry of feet above you. And you could almost trace the steps where she was going, from the living room to the kitchen. And then you hear her going down the stairs. And there she was, waiting. Where you been? Where you been? You gonna stay? You gonna leave again? You could just tell that she was just waiting the whole time, just waiting for any small little sound that even replicated us coming home, walking in the door. That's what she waited for. And she loved her walks. She was very good on walks. She rarely pulled or tugged. She walked very much with grace and authority. She was very obedient. She didn't really care for other dogs. She didn't mind people. She liked little people. She was gentle and kind around children. But she didn't really care for other dogs all that much. Although she really liked Izzy, I think. They got along really well. And it was probably early in 2017 when we started to notice... Um, just a couple of changes with her. She had a lot of trouble getting up the steps. 
she would sometimes relieve herself in the house. So we had to let her out more often. And sometimes she seemed a little lost. Like maybe her hearing was going. You could walk up behind her and she sometimes wouldn't know you were there. But one day I let her out of the back of the house. And I turned around to get something. And then I came back. And she was over in our neighbor's yard. She never went over in our neighbor's yard. And she was just standing there. And these bushes got in the way. And I I had to get into my neighbor's yard by going out the front door. So I went through the house and went through the front door. And I walked next door. And I looked down the side of his house by the fence that we have. And she was standing in front of those bushes. And I yelled, Maggie, Maggie, Maggie. And she didn't say anything. She didn't hear anything. And I walked closer to her, and finally she just turned and looked at me. And that look that she gave me on her face, it, it said to me that, you know what, Dad, I think it's about time. I think I'm ready. And so we called the vet and wanted to bring her up to have them look at her. And they did. And the vet said, it could be, um, it could be a neurological thing. It can be a dog's version of Alzheimer's. It could be a variety of things. But she said, I, I have absolutely no issues with putting her down. So I said, you know, can we maybe like spend one more night with her? And so she was agreeable to that. So we took Maggie home. And it was really strange because that particular night, I still have a photo, was in here working. And I walk out of my studio and we have a sort of, I call it a person cave. It's not really a man cave because we both hang out down here. And Maggie was laying in the spot where she normally lays, waiting for me to come sit in my chair. And she had this very peaceful look on her face, almost as if it were 10 years ago. She looked 10 years younger, like she just was really almost relaxed. And she had a really good night. Like, I felt like she could see me. You know, by this time she had, you know, cataracts in both of her eyes. And sometimes she had trouble sensing when I was around. And the next day when I went to take her to the vet, Donna couldn't go. She said it just wasn't in her wheelhouse to go watch this take place. And we went to the vet. And they were about to assign us to a room. And they said, are you going to drop her off or are you going to stay with her? And I said, really, people like drop their dog off to have them put to sleep? I was really kind of amazed by it. 
And I said, of course I'm going to stay. So we waited in the room. And the door was closed, but there was a lot of activity. There were a lot of people bringing their dogs in for various things. And, and Maggie was very alert. She was very aware. And I just stood behind her, and I kind of rubbed her chest and, and you know, tried to keep her calm. And then the vet came into the room with an assistant and kind of explained what was going on. And I had been through this process before, so I kind of knew what was going on. I knew what was going to happen. And it's really funny because, you know, we had Yinny for 18 years, and we have this beautiful little dog right now who is also getting older. I mean, Izzy is the sweetest, gentlest little boy you would ever want to meet. He doesn't make a peep. He doesn't bark at things. He doesn't... He, he, he's, he's a jewel. He's wonderful to be around. And while he has a mind of his own, and he has a very solid streak of independence, he's just a wonderful, gentle little boy. And I love him dearly. But there was just something about Maggie I can't put my finger on. I still have a a bed here in the studio in the corner where she would sometimes lay. She spent a lot of time here in the studio. And how she did that, I'll never know. I have lots of loud noises that come out of these speakers and these monitors. And how she put up with that, because dogs' ears are extremely sensitive, and I would always remind myself to turn stuff down because she was just laying in here listening to it, and she would just never leave. She always wanted to be here. In fact, after she died, I, there, there was actually a mark on the carpet where she, years of her laying in that same spot. And really, it took me several sessions of vacuuming to make sure that all the black hair was out of the studio carpet. I have pictures of Don has taken of me trying to record, standing in front of a microphone recording, and she would be laying in her spot, and I didn't want to disturb her, so I would sort of straddle her, you know, while I was recording, and <laughs> sometimes the challenges that presented. But that was just her way. That was just her spot. So it was at 3 o'clock on March the 7th, 2017, that that... Uh, we said goodbye to her, and, and I can honestly say I, I don't think there's a day that's gone by that I haven't thought about that dog in some way, shape, or form. And I know that must sound silly to the non-dog lover, and I'm just, I'm just so grateful that I have these times with these animals and all their personalities and all of the comfort that they've given us over the years, all of the companionship that they've given us. I'm not grateful for the vet bills. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not grateful for cleaning up dog vomit. 
or getting them through all these little procedures that they have to have, sometimes larger procedures than you financially plan for. But I'm grateful that they can just be so joyful to be around and just to have them there. I hope if there is a next life, certainly that I'll get a chance to meet up with her again and hopefully understand a little more about their behaviors because I think a dog's behavior is fascinating. And I'm really grateful for just being able to get a lesson from them in unconditional love. I can't say that I've always put that into practice as much as I should or as much as I can. But their patience in sitting there for eight or nine hours waiting for you to come home and their sense of seeming to know that you're not having a very good day the way Maggie would cozy up to me and knock up against my leg if I were crying or upset about something. They're behaviors that I'm just so intrigued by. And I can understand why there are some people who say, I have better friendships with animals than I do humans because of that unconditional love. Something that we don't see very often in humans. The day that I brought her to the vet on March the 7th, the person at the front desk had this little piece of paper, a piece of purple paper, and they took her right paw and they dipped it in ink, like an ink pad, and they pressed it down on this little piece of purple paper, and they gave it to me. And I have it here in my studio. And someday is when I'm walking out of the studio for whatever, and I'll kind of glance up to the left and I'll see it. And it'll just be one of many times that I've thought about this dog and how grateful that I am that she was in our lives. So pet a dog, hug a dog. Dogs are, dogs are a gift. The Gratitude Journal podcast is now available on Apple Podcasts as well as on iHeart and on Spotify. And hopefully there might be a small website connected to the Gratitude Journal podcast. We'll see how that goes. But thank you for tuning in, downloading, streaming, whatever the vernacular you use. Thanks for being a part again of the Gratitude Journal podcast. Podcast.